genre. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. And this is our between episode. We we have concluded the Spy Kids era of Franchiseography. Mm. It's over. What an era it was. From, from the get-go, this was uh this was voted on by the listeners. You know, or by the, you know, and several guests on the show. Yeah, guest voters, yeah. <laughs> guest voters. So hopefully that was entertaining for for all of you. I mean, it, it was it was a real swerve after such iconic series like Scream and and then, you know, the whole X-Men saga. Yeah. So I'm really interested because I, w- I was thinking the other day when I was watching Sharkboy Lava Girl, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, Scott, in just a few short weeks, Scott has gone from Barely seeing any Robert Rodriguez to yeah. honestly, at this point, seeing, I think, most of his filmography. Like, you haven't seen the machetes, and I think that's it. No, that's not true. I have not seen the Desperados. Okay. So, so there's three of those. Yeah. So I've seen, I've seen his four-room segment, mm-hmm. as I talked about in the first episode. I've seen The Faculty, which I love. I've seen Battle Angel Alita, mm-hmm. which obviously I love. Yeah, uh, I was there. Yep. We looked at each other when it happened. Uh, <laughs> we, knew, we both knew. We both knew. It was when she used and- puppy blood on her <laughs> as her war paint. Incredible. Brilliant. Ten, 10 out of 10 no notes. <laughs> um, so, so uh, let's see. That I saw. Um, this Mandalorian episode. Yeah, sure. Um, Sin City. Oh, okay, cool. Not the sequel. Yeah. Didn't. Have not seen the sequel. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think if I am missing anything up to the. I think that was that was what I had seen. Yeah, yeah, think, yeah. So that's so I, I'm really interested to see. Like, do you coming out of the other side of this hill that we've that we've walked over? Do you find yourself holding Rodriguez as a filmmaker in a different regard as like a fan of of movies? I don't. No. Oh, and I and I'd seen uh, from uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Always forget about that one because right. I associate it more with Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't know if I hold him in a. I. I guess I, I certainly hold him in a different regard than I did before. I mm-hmm. wish more of his earnestness would come out in his re- like non-child movies. Mm-hmm. Um. I guess. It's there in Battle Angel Alita, and I like that a lot. So, yeah, that movie was really exciting for me to watch as a fan of his because it was the first time in a while that it really felt like he had graduated or mm-hmm. had like leveled up, you know? Yeah. Um, because, you know, when you're often in your own, when you're given, when you have, when you've given yourself so much freedom, yeah, that also means you don't have a lot of stuff pushing up against you. Right. Um, I guess you have, he had the parameters that he set himself of like not having a big budget. Right. But I don't know. That was the first movie in a long time of his that felt like a collaboration. 
of another style, like James Cameron's style mixed with his style. Right. Well, I mean, it was like the first thing that he had done since the faculty that he hadn't written himself. Mm, yeah. Or at least co-written. Because like right? that's something that we've also I know you you've expressed similar desires as a as as someone who enjoys that some of M. Night Shyamalan's work. Yeah. Of like, oh, what if he worked with a co-writer the way that like Edgar Wright's doing now, you know? Right, right, right. But I see what uh, you mean. Yeah, because like I think even as a fan of a lot of like stuff in Desperado and El Mariachi and Once Upon a Time in Mexico, those are very cold movies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of of heart to those movies. There's a lot of style and fun, yeah. but like especially the third one, just it, it 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 isn't full of the same kind of like like you said the warm love or good humor that the Spy Kids movies have. Right, right. Yeah, it, it it's. I don't like filmmakers that compartmentalize themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like a filmmaker who puts it all on the table. Like, this is who I am, and I'm going to put it in every movie. It's why, like, I respect M. Night Shyamalan so much, right? Right. Is because, like, like it or not, every goddamn movie he's ever made is an M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> right. You know? Even, like, The Last Airbender, he, he yeah. didn't look at it any differently because it was, like, a big summer tentpole movie. Right, right. To a and fault. So I wish that I, I'm hoping we're dipping into a new era of Robert Rodriguez where he does feel a little more, I don't know if well rounded, balanced, I guess. Balanced, mm. a little bit more of a balanced filmmaker is what I'd like to see from him after like learning everything that he's learned. Cause you know, he was a real like hit the ground running filmmaker, you know, yeah. like it was like he made. El Mariachi, and then it was like, boom, Desperado. Boom, yeah, it was just rooms. like exactly, exactly, yeah. and it was like he was learning on the job, like that was his whole thing, and so mm-hmm. like everything he was doing, he was learning how to do stuff, and then that I feel like that whole thing, because even Sin City is an experiment in a lot of ways. Yeah, right. And I and I think that Battle Angel Alita was like I think the faculty for him felt like a failure because. It was within the studio system, like, <laughs> and, 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 you know, that studio system, he felt like at the time, I don't think he worked properly in it because he didn't know how to yet. Yeah. Because that's uh, not yeah. how he was used to working. You and know? now the studio system as it is now in 2021 fits so much better right. with Rodriguez's way of getting things done. And, you know, like the, like the, the Netflix conversation that he had of right. like, hey, you make things cheap and under and on time and under budget and like you know you we like your other movies here's like a blank check basically right 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 or yeah. like i'm excited to see how book of boba fett turns out like i didn't ask for that show but i hope it's good right that's <laughs> yes correct and so i guess putting rodriguez aside for me you know a little bit aside like uh just looking at the spy kids movies directly yeah um what's kind of been your biggest surprise watching all all four of them the way that we have well, I mean, just that I liked them, <laughs> yeah, you know, and that I was so I was furious at the fourth one because I liked them so much. Yeah, that you were invested enough to be angry at a bad one. Yeah, right, right. Whereas, like, if I had started with the fourth one, I'd be like, yeah, that's just what I thought. These stupid pieces of shit throwing <laughs> bags of of puke at the bad guys. Yeah, not for me. <laughs> not for old scott corelli <laughs> yeah but like i i really really liked the first one a lot and 
I think, you know, I think largely, yeah, they're probably in <laughs> order of release for me. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. It's it's diminishing returns each time, I think. Because mm-hmm. I don't like the second one as much as the first one. And the third one doesn't have Carmen in it very mm-hmm. much outside yeah. of like, she's basically a cameo in that. She's like, she's in Game Over about as much as she's in Spy Kids 4. That's pretty accurate. I almost would say that she's maybe in four a little bit more because then she has the Junie and Carmen stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're like supporting characters in four. That surprised me. Right. Yeah, that's true. It surprised me both times that I watched it. (laughs) And then you surprised yourself that you'd seen it before. That's that's got to start happening more as I get older, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, I well, I mean. I this. literally watched the the new Power Rangers movie, and then I watched the whole thing. And then the next day, I saw an advertisement for it, and was like, "I still need to see that." Oh, oh, the one with Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, literally twenty four hours later, I, I had thought, completely forgotten I had watched it. Right? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I can. I remember. No, I can't. What? What? What's that restaurant that she's really into? And it's a like big time product placement. I have no idea. <laughs> she goes inside and she's like, I like it here. And it's like a Denny's or something. Um, oh, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm laying it on a little thick. I remember the but... jewelry store scene, but I don't remember a mm. restaurant. I don't know. Yeah, I don't hate that movie. But I, I'll tell you this, though. <laughs> the suits in Spy Kids 3 look cooler than the, the Power Ranger suits in that movie. That's true. That is accurate. I, I don't even know what I'm looking at when I'm looking at those power. It, yeah, it's like they're wearing Michael Bay Transformers skins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I my biggest surprise for me is yeah. Two. I I really enjoyed two this time mm-hmm. because to me it's like I kind of I it's I think even it's, better than Shark Boy and Lava Girl. It being like so pure and so out of his brain and pure yeah. imagination, but still like telling to me a really tight story. Mm-hmm. And like a fun spy sequel. And then you also get the family stuff. You get mm-hmm. the Carmen and Junie stuff. To me, it's like the ultimate spy kids movie. Mm, interesting. Yeah. But I'm a two guy. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I see. I like that first one a lot more than the second one. There's something really special about the first one. Yeah. I just feel like the theme, the thematics of it, the story is just like, it doesn't feel like a first draft. Whereas. <laughs> right. All of the other ones kind of do. Yeah, like there, it's it. It might be Rodriguez's most polished, sophisticated script. Mm-hmm. Like little things, like like Machete having the same issues with Gregorio that Carmen has with Junie. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just it feels like there's more going on, and there's a sophistication in that first one that I think every subsequent Rodriguez family movie doesn't have. Right. Right. Yeah. I think I agree with that. I have a question for you. Mm. Earlier this year, it was announced that Spy Kids, that Spyglass Entertainment has purchased the rights to Spy Kids. Spyglass and Kids. Will, and will be, yeah, Spy Spyglass Spy Kids, <laughs> will be rebooting the franchise mm-hmm. with Robert Rodriguez once again writing and directing, <laughs> which I don't, I feels like not, so much a reboot really if it's the same guy doing it but right like what was yeah it, it's never a good sign when a franchise has had like multiple reboots like terminator mm-hmm. where it's like no this one's going to be spike it's for a new generation yeah yeah uh, yeah like but, him- so so how do you how do you well 
one, I, I imagine you're, you, the way that you feel is, is largely indifference, but, um, <laughs> what, what do you, what do you want from a spy kid? Cause you know, we're going to be required to go see this movie now. Right. The, the blood oath that we took when we started the yes. podcast. So when Spy Kids 5 or uh, Spy Kids, you know, 2022 or 2023, whatever it is, right. I don't even know if it's like the thing that he's doing after Book of Boba Fett or what. But when it happens, what would you want to see out of it? Well, you know, on, I, I say this with like so much affection and respect, but like, yeah, it would be cool if this wasn't written and directed by Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, we've said this, I think, like three episodes in a row now that it, it's a shame that he hasn't godfathered other filmmakers the way that people like Peter Jackson or Quentin Tarantino or Martin Scorsese have. He reminds me a lot more of Kevin Smith, where he kind of became his own like little factory business industry. Yeah, these you know, there's something about like Gen X dudes who, no. oh yeah, like they don't they don't take people under their wing. They just don't. It's it's kind of yeah like it's kind of this like loner Daria mentality you know what else because I thought this is the point you were gonna make but do you remember selling out yeah like I remember even like because I'm a little younger but I remember when I was in like middle school high school if you heard Green Day or My Chemical Romance or Fall Out Boy in like a Nike commercial or a movie trailer the kids in my school would be like oh they fucking sold out man that's bullshit but now I feel like. With content creators, you're like rooting for people to like be in yeah. commercials and stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and it's I, a totally different. It's a totally different thing. It's because like people pointed out like the logic flaw in that, where it's just like, so like if I went to school to become a doctor and then I became a doctor, I'd be selling out. Like I, I don't <laughs> right, know, yeah. Like I thought the point of being a musician is to do it professionally for a living. Mm -hmm. Like or or kind know. of uh, it reminds me the same way of like um like with filmmakers. Like when Chloe Zhao signs up to do a Marvel movie, there'll always be like a sect of of movie film nerds that, you know, that's kind of like the new version of selling out is like, oh, they had to sell out to the Marvel machine. You yeah. know, in the 70s, they would give Chloe Zhao hundreds of millions of dollars to direct whatever she wanted. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And like, you know, so with Rodriguez doing Book, Book of Boba Fett, I'm not like, oh, man, he sold out. I'm excited that he's like mm -hmm. back from the wilderness the way that I would love for Kevin Smith to feel like he's making like real movies again. Yeah, the way that I don't think I think that's that ship, I think that ship has sailed. Yeah, because he's he's very comfortable. He seems to be very happy yeah. right now being. Well, he doesn't Kevin like Smith. he doesn't like people telling him he's bad. Right. And I mean, that's that's it. And so mm -hmm. he just makes his shitty little movies and everyone is like, good job, Kev. You did it. And he's like, thanks. We did. We had a lot. I of sure fun. did. Gives <laughs> like a 45 minute rap speech. Yeah. <laughs> so remember how I've been kind of been noodling with like my idea yeah of like the parent protocol yeah yeah i was like oh my dream would be like lupita nyong'o and leslie odom jr as like the parents and oh. as like the dorky right normal parents and then get like a cool like kid actor to be like the spy kid like it'd be great yeah. to see like a black family yes i i was thinking exactly the same thing like afro latino or just like black american like that would be cool because that would be in the spirit of what rodriguez was doing um, kind of, again, to your point, Scott, you know, this Gen X thing of like not spreading the love, it's like, it's disappointing that he didn't like expand his casting prism after the success of Spy Kids. It was, it's really weird, right? That like the only people that I saw in the Spy Kids movies were white kids and Latino kids. Right. Yeah. Like even that's like weird, in the, right? in the <laughs> background, like, like 
yeah. in the and and so that is also I don't think I mentioned this, but that's also kind of a, a little notch that Weekend Be Heroes has is there's like black superheroes and black kids. And OK, like, that's dope. Yeah. So, yeah. So that gets like for a reboot, it'd be cool if he was passing the bar or the ball to another filmmaker mm-hmm. um, with a new vision for Spy Kids. Mm-hmm. And because it's such a white hot premise that like imagine a Spy Kids movie that didn't have the Rodriguez aesthetic that had a kind of a like YA Kingsman aesthetic, you know, mm-hmm. but it's so hard to picture. I don't want Spy Kids to be like every other franchise, but like I also I've I've seen like eight movies with the like Robert Rodriguez, Math Blaster, chunky computer animation aesthetic. And like, I don't know if I still want that now. I don't know. I don't know either. I, but the thing is, it's like. Well, okay, so one, we already know that he's not passing the baton. He's mm-hmm. writing and directing it himself. Yeah. So as a reboot, like, what does that mean? Is he going back to the Cortez family where he's like, you know, he's going to focus on like Carmen's kid? Right, I was going to say, something? yeah, like the third generation, the new generation of Cortez's or yeah. that would be a shame. Like, like it feels like most likely, but this is such a broad premise. Yeah, like it could be worldwide. You don't even have right. to. Like, you could do Spy Kids, Spy International. Kids International. <laughs> Absolutely, um, that feels like a no-brainer because like the market is only getting more international. Yeah. So the idea of like getting like South Korean Spy Kids or like Australian Spy Kids or yeah, you know Japanese Spy Kids. I don't, you know, right. um, and like yeah, expanding like the OSS as a as a concept yeah. that would be cool, but. But I do agree with you. I think that aesthetically, that's the thing that should shift. Is mm-hmm. like, okay, you had your fun doing the shit in your garage, you know, but like, make Ima- a real movie this time. I don't know. <laughs> Imagine if he teamed up with the special effects crew that he had on Alita. Right. And, or, and the gadgets or felt if like he Alita. wanted to keep it low key, mm-hmm. like, imagine just getting like, like finding some somebody on YouTube who does like special effects, yeah, and being yeah. like, "Boom, you, you know, twenty-two-year-old kid who whoa. did this in college, I'm Here. you're gonna do the new Spy Kids movie every every Friday. I want to have like fifty concept images of gadgets and like yeah. ideas, and we'll go through them. You know, like how you see George Lucas walking around and like, oh, that looks good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, like because uh, like um he expressed interest in this interview I was reading of in the wake of book of boba fett and whatnot kind of makes it more optimistic about a battle angel sequel because Mm. now fox technically owns it and or disney technically owns it yeah and he's like i'm making disney a lot of money so i'm thinking i can hopefully parlay that into like a disney plus exclusive battle angel sequel or something oh and in this age of like just infinite content why not (laughs) are you gonna say (laughs) i just can't imagine a fucking movie about a, a an android girl who writes wipes puppy blood on her face on disney plus Boing! with a little like disney plus and logo. it's not cruella right yeah no not <laughs> not not the teaser post the image of cruella 2 but what if it was uh cruella wow. 2 city of puppy blood yeah <laughs> oh boy because i was thinking like imagine like a spy kid series in the vein of like mission impossible the series mm-hmm yeah, you know, I I I feel like the biggest mistake is going to be him doing it. Yeah, rather like, than just producing. Cuz like I don't want we don't need another pair of siblings. Yeah. That feels I I have I've this weird feeling that like he has this like 
grand imagination and he's always like, yeah, you got to really think outside the box all the time. But like when it comes to the plot and the characters, no, <laughs> you know, that you know? seems to be the way of it. I, I've been thinking a lot about like auteurs in the vein of Robert Rodriguez or, you know, a, a, a couple weekends ago, I watched the director, the can cut of Richard Kelly's Southland Tales. Oh, um, how was that? I bought it on Blu-ray. I haven't seen this movie since like 2008, whenever it came out mm-hmm. on DVD. And this is the cut that got booed out of can. Yeah. And it's like almost three hours. And, you know, that's easy. You know, the narrative of like, we just weren't ready for it, man. Or like this artist's vision wasn't, you know, all this stuff. And I'm watching this movie and I'm like, yeah, there's a lot to appreciate about this movie. And especially now in 2021, where it did kind of predict stuff accidentally, like streaming or uh-huh. pop culture and politics and any of that stuff, whatever. But this movie, that Southland Tales, has like characters that are really hard to like get a hold of mm-hmm. and like a story that's really like difficult to like emotionally place yourself in. And yeah. And so it's like, yeah, I can imagine this not being like a huge hit. Like Detective Pikachu, you know, I don't, you yeah. know, like, like, because it's difficult to like, and I, that that was kind of what even as a kid stopped me from really enjoying Shark Boy and Lava Girl, the way that I enjoyed Spy Kids, is right. it like the story? I, I think that is really the secret sauce of what Marvel's able to do is just create all these characters and that are really fun to like follow. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't. It I think he lucked into it with Spy Kids. I mean, he took the time to cast two people that I think made it. Cause I don't think the script for spy kids makes Junie and Carmen who they are. No, he has a habit of again and again, really leaning into the personalities of the kids he cast after the fact. Right. With like the giggles siblings, the yeah. new spy kids, Carmen and yeah. Junie, like you said, but yeah, like we were even talking on the, on the uh, franchise potential track point, lava girl, whatever, whichever one should listen to. There's yeah. this like super hacky, uh, slacker dreamer husband, shrew, shrewish, uptight mom mm-hmm. subplot. And it's like, right. yeah, this isn't very creative. No, this no, isn't super imaginative. Like, yeah, it, it really feels like he finds like a coloring book page, right? And he's <laughs> just like, he's just like, okay. I mean, I know you've seen this a million times, but you've never seen this before. And then he starts coloring outside the lines. Right. Like, it's what like, it, well, okay, but that's still like a picture of like, uh, like you know, a yeah. puppy. You know like, what I mean? What if, like, like, what if instead of fists, the villains had those old timey chattery hand, t- like magic shop teeth? Yeah, yeah. Like, and okay, it's like, yeah, okay. That's, okay. That's, I mean, that's... you're still making a movie about a uh, a creative husband and a shrewd, shrewd, right? Wife, yeah, you know. And like all of the spy kids have really simple. Well, not that simple is bad, but of like you got to stop the thing. And I, and I think that is also kind of where. Spike Kids 3 started to fall apart is we were like taking a step back and we're like, I have no idea what they're trying to do right now. Yeah. Well, I will say in Spy Kids, in in Spy Kids 3D's defense, defense, the one thing that I like about Spy Kids 3D over Spy Kids 2, and I don't like Spy Kids 3D more than Spy Kids 2, Mm -hmm. but this aspect of it I do, is that like Spy Kids 1... The mission is kid centric. It's right. like it's a children's show. It's a video game. And mm-hmm. then the second one is like 
a crazy island where where there's like <laughs> miniature animals and then yeah, combo yeah. and it's it's just not it's not like it's lo- island of lost dreams but it's not like a kid thing right yeah where you were talking about how like oh it'd be cool if they kept the theme park angle because kids love theme yeah. parks um, right like this is such a unique opportunity to find stuff that kids care about and affects kids lives but then give it this really super cool mission yeah. impossible james bond style uh, that's what that's what i want from a spy kids reboot is i want it to be set at a theme park and i want it to be like die hard and a theme park but it's spy oh kids. yeah that's really cool yeah i was i was gonna say like um like much broader just like that that could be like a fun angle of like the spy kids reboot is like to look at what is affecting kids today yeah like, make, i don't want to be like being on your phones is bad but you know like like in how kids are always being sold stuff yeah you know that i think the flute stuff in spy kids one really hit different of the idea of like the person behind the screen that you watch on tv not being who they say they are right and like it was called Junie, like turned the villain into a good person yeah um but yeah, I like the idea of like Spy Kids in a theme park where <laughs> a kid has to like, that was cool in Spy Kids too, where they didn't have any gadgets and they just had to like go off on their wit by their wits. Yeah. They real, real Iron Man three move before mm-hmm. Iron Man three. Uh, summer camp. Kids like summer camp. Oh, true. Summer camp. That's Spy, a good one. Spy Kids camp. Yeah. Camp Spy Kids. Um, yeah. Yeah. What What else? What are, what are other kid things the kids like? God. Uh, they like toys. That's like yeah. That's a that, that's that, not a thing. That's a no like, brainer. Yeah. Well, yes, I guess you, that feels yeah. Because you had the toy maker, but he made video games. Oh, Spy Kids Christmas. Come on, Spy Kids Christmas. There you go. They have to help oh, Santa. Man, that's good. Santa's like an OSS agent that like went rogue. Oh shit! <laughs> I love that. Or Spy Santa would be a great Spy Kids villain. Yeah, because it's like he's gone crazy and he's like they have to go and like talk to him and be like, Santa, yeah, all kids this. are bad. Yeah, they're all naughty little fucks. <laughs> yeah, they're all getting cold. They're Santa's all... giving coal to everybody. Carmen, Junie, it's up to you. Carmen, <laughs> save Christmas. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, because like, OK, because so like Rodriguez really filled this is, another, you know, because like, you know, the generation is always fueled by like what they grew up watching. So. Rodriguez, like you said, being a Gen Xer, grew up watching like Gilligan's Island and Ray Harryhausen movies right. and the Roger Moore Bond movies. Right. So a person in their 30s, late 20s, which is how old Rodriguez was at the time, making Spy Kids now, mm-hmm. like, would it be fueled by like Inception and like Casino Royale? Wow. And like, wow. like, that's what a kid thinks is cool now. Or like, you know, yeah. Tony, T- Tony Stark. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. Man, because yeah. like that—that's his like his his ability, and it's so impressive now because he's like a fifty-five-year-old you know guy at this point that right. we can be heroes is as successful as it is. It's still because like I, I watched that movie and I'm like, yeah, if I was eight, because it's it's like the kids have to like break out of the cell and like beat up the the guards and they're using their powers. There's a part where the Mister Fantastic stretchy kid puts on a security coat and pretends to be tall. <laughs> And he's like, hello, grownups, it's me. I'm just, you know. That's, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's still, like, creativity. And that's, like, I think a lot about your comparison that you made with him and Robert Zemeckis. Mm-hmm. And how, like, it's cool that he's still, not that Zemeckis doesn't, but, like, he's still kind of fueled creatively by the all these to- toys that he has now. Yeah, yeah. 
I think the problem with it just being Robert Rodriguez is it's like it is a it is a fountain of ideas, the Spy mm-hmm. Kids franchise. And the fact that like he's like, no, it's not. It's only a fountain of my ideas <laughs> is the problem. Every you know, idea. like yeah, like imagine giving the freedom that he gave to himself to another filmmaker. Yeah. And saying, Hey, you're protected by the Spy Kids banner. This mm-hmm. like in, this like consistently popular IP. Right. Go go do your thing. What what was in your dream journal when you were eight? Right. You know? It reminds me a lot of the Kingsman movies where that is also such a broad idea, but it's just like, it's all been made by this one guy. And so yeah. it ends up feeling very small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. That's a weird, like exact <laughs> comparison. Yeah. This is your spy franchise that you get lost in for a while. This is yeah. your spy franchise. Wow. I'm glad he's making another movie, but uh, it's another spy movie. So it's also like, all right. Right. Like, <laughs> I guess he really just, he's, you, you have to hope that it's not out of lack of options. Yeah. What's well, going to happen when the broccolis are like, we want you to do the next bond. <laughs> like, like at that point, it's just like, Woody, I don't know. Well, time for my fifth spy movie. I guess there's no chance that he wouldn't do it if he was offered it. Right. Well, you know, that's I think that's kind of the logic that we were using back in the day when we were like, oh, J.J. Abrams would never make a Star Wars movie. He made a Star Trek movie. Yeah, that's true. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and you can argue about the results. But would Matthew Vaughn make a Spy Kids movie? That's the real question. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a PG rated spy. That'd be, that could be fun to see how his aesthetic translates to like a family movie. I know. Yeah, I was thinking that. That would like, be... Because really the movies cool. are all broad. Like, Kick-Ass is a broad movie with big colors. Yeah. Stardust, and, very broad. Stardust, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that might be... That would be a fun director. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think... Uh, oh, you know who would be great? Uh, Joe Cornish would be great. Yeah, that would be great. The kid who would be king? Yeah. Kid, the kid who would be spy. The kid who would be spy kids? Because, <laughs> uh, like... I mean, like, so many people would make a great Spy Kids. A Spy Kids villain role is a fun role. I mean, like, Rebecca Ferguson would be great. Yeah. Idris Elba. Yeah. Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Yeah. You just oh. turn it into, like, a being a villain in a Paddington movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is ours. This is the American Paddington. <laughs> That's why we got a British guy to direct it. <laughs> it's very American. We, get, we got a British guy yeah. to direct it. Oh, also, it would be, like, different kinds of families. Like having a, having like a kid that's like I'm adopted or like I'm a foster oh, yeah. kid, yeah, that'd be fun, yeah. Or just like a foster family who like, well, yeah. I guess that's Shazam. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say a foster family who becomes spy kids, and I was like, well, that's that's just Shazam. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe just like two instead of how many of them were like five, five, yeah. Because I think there's six chairs and there's only five filled in. Mm-hmm. Uh. So, yeah, I'm not super anxious about a Spy Kids reboot, you know, like I was thinking about. So, you know how in the Chronicles of Narnia books, there's always a part where have you seen any of the Narnia movies or any of the books? Okay, light spoilers for Narnia. There's like a point where you can like age out of Narnia. Uh And as a kid, I always thought that was such a jip, like. It's like, oh, it, it'd be weird. You're, it's, it's time. Bullshit. <laughs> like, it's Narnia. You would never stop 
wanting to go to Narnia. But what if you would? Uh huh. What if if you did go back to Narnia when you were like in your twenties? You'd be like, oh, actually, it's a bit shit. And that, isn't that what the magicians is about? <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> but that's more because it's like com- more complicated than he thought yeah. it would be, right? It's not like depressing. Right. I guess that's yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I think. I, I I am definitely not a I I actively want a Spy Kids reboot. I just I I'm afraid that it's going to be sort of just a waste of everyone's time if it just ends up being like two more kids. It, yeah, two like it's just a we can be heroes. Like mm-hmm. just Robert Rodriguez just scraping the bottom of the barrel of of uh, his spy ideas. Doctor Booger's soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> drawing it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that was another thing that was a big mistake was in Spy Kids 4, nothing about that movie had anything to do with kids. Right, yeah. It's like how I was saying. It's like the the plot ends up being so complicated that it's like we have to make everything dumb as a box of rocks or we're not going to keep the kids' attention. Yeah, like there there wasn't like one of them had to go to the dentist or was like scared of going to like overnight camp for the first time it was like this weird primer like yeah time plot the time plot stuff is just it was like what does this have to do with being a kid man Mm -hmm. you've lost the thread pal you know what else does really well what i like about the spy kids movies if not better is uh both incredibles movies yeah like even the second one i i really enjoy the second one and i i think it's really good at being a family story yeah. Of like all of these characters have it was like we're watching a really good episode of an incredible show where mm-hmm. each par had their own little arc and their own little mm-hmm. like I'm growing up a little bit, but then it all comes together in the end and they're like the coolest team of heroes. Yeah, I definitely want another Incredibles movie because I do feel like the next one will be focused on the kids since the first two was like focused on the dad and, dad then, and, the, mom. and then the mom. And so Kid. yeah, you yeah, do, you do like, the kids. Like they go to a super school. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it'll also be interesting too to see if this new Spy Kids thing is a total reboot where it's like it's not even in canon Continuity. with the other ones. Yeah, there's or, no like statue of Carmen and Junie in the courtyard. Yeah, yeah, or or if he's just making like the Jurassic World too. The, the Spy Kids, which he already did and it was terrible. Yeah. So, and that was yeah. only 10 years ago. Yeah, but it had all of the hit all the marks that a reboot would of like a tour of the old props, right? You know, returning legacy cast members, the promise right. of a because that one ended with Carmen and Juni restarting the OSS for kids. So, right. like, could, would this be like how they've been doing over the past ten years? Yeah, yeah, I think this is just going to be Spy Kids International. That's what I think. That could very well be what it's even called. Yeah. Get Liam Neeson. Oh my gosh, yeah. Give him like a really <laughs> big character to play. Because that's the other secret is he's really good at coming up to actors that have been usually just get to do one thing mm-hmm. and given giving them the opportunity. Like Tom Hardy. Well, no, he has Venom. Right. I was gonna say like, if, if like someone who has kids but is in mostly like R-rated stuff is right. like prime spy kids villain. Yeah. Does like, Liam like, Neeson have grandkids at this point? Maybe. Maybe he would want to um, do that. Michael oh, Shannon. Michael Shannon. Oh, my God. He could be Baron Von Booger's soul or whatever. My <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Yes. That's good. 
So, so yeah. So then, uh, and then next up is Wes Anderson. Yeah. Starting next week with Bottle Rocket. I'm really excited for, for everyone to, to get into that series of the show. I, th- I think it's, yeah. it's been, been, they've been really cool discussions so far. Yeah. It's a, it's a very different era of the show. It's a very different mini series mm-hmm. than, than what we've been doing so far. Definitely very different from Spy Kids. <laughs> we both but, talk a lot about fam interpersonal family relationships. Yeah, that's fair. Fair enough. I I think uh, I've been learning. I've been hearing a lot of cool stories about what the uh, movies have meant to you in the same way that I felt like I kind of shared a lot of my childhood talking about these Spy Kids movies. Yeah, it's been it's been really fun. Uh, I'm excited for people to hear it and. Wes Anderson is he's he's interesting. I I think we picked a really good filmmaker as a franchise for our first time doing that. Right. Yeah. Would also make a hell of a Spy Kids movie. Yeah, he would. But yeah, he reuses actors a lot. You know, all of that stuff. I think is really he he uh, like like Rodriguez. He gets really adept at creating his own worlds and bringing yeah life. That's true. That's very true. Luke Wilson and Owen Wilson would both be great in a Spy Kids movie. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> it was like Heat Miser, Snow Miser, like brothers that are bad. They're both bad guys. <laughs> the first time they ever play brothers in cinema <laughs> yeah. in a Spy Kids movie. Hey, no one's ever cast you as brothers. Also, they're from Texas. They're from they Texas. Should be. They should absolutely be in a Spy Kids movie. Yeah, that should happen for sure. That's our connection to this from this one to the next one. It's I yeah it, I hope y'all have been enjoying the Texas content with the Spy Kids series because that does not go away, not not for the first few anyway. Right? Yeah. I would I would love to see a what if Wes Anderson made a Spy Kids like trailer. Oh, from, like, like Pat Willems, like kinda, the Pat yeah. Willems X Men. What what mm-hmm. if Wes Anderson directed the X Men trailer? Yeah, something like that. Or was that SNL that did what if Wes Anderson made a horror movie? Yeah, that was movie? for sure. Yeah. That That's was pretty good too. Much more recent, I think. Yes. Yes. I well, I think that was like five years ago. Okay. Yeah. And then and then uh, Matt, the Patrick Williams thing was like, I think like eight or nine years <laughs> ago at this point. It was a long time ago. Wow. Um so yeah. Hope 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 you've enjoyed this series on the show. Yeah. Talking about smaller movies, movies that haven't been around for twenty years. Well, no, actually this one has now at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's true. My kids has and and Wes Anderson <laughs> filmography <laughs> certainly has. Yeah, I yeah. So uh, and and I I definitely want to implore everyone. Um, if you're not a dueling genre Patreon supporter yet, uh, you definitely want to listen to the Shark Boy Lava Girl episode. I think you're probably thinking like, well, I don't want to watch Shark Boy and Lava Girl. I don't think you necessarily need to, but I think you would be surprised listening to it. Uh, and may it may make you want to watch. Shark Boy That's and Lava Girl. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. You enjoyed it a lot um, more than I thought you were going to. Yeah. And I and I pitch a remake of, of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. That's 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 a Patreon exclusive for you. So definitely worth it. And the Daredevil episode was a lot of fun. Yes. Uh that Mario. was just that was just a month ago, the Daredevil episode. Crazy. Yeah. And then I guess we should say our franchise potential for Wes Anderson is going to be uh what year did that movie come out? Two oh two thousand and four. Two thousand four? Yeah. So two thousand four is Lebanese Snicket, uh a series of unfortunate events yes. is what we're gonna be Starring doing. Starring Jim Carrey, who would also make an amazing spy kids villain. Yes. Oh my god. 
Dr. Robotnik would be a great Spy Kids villain. Spy Kids villain. Spy Kids versus Sonic. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that makes that makes sense to me. I would yeah. be. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, so we're gonna be we're gonna be covering that on the other end of uh, of uh, Wes Anderson. It makes sense. I think I'm, I'm a fan of that movie. I write to the score a lot. Mm, interesting. I don't remember events. the score. It's, uh, I love the Schumer. score on the TV show for sure. Yeah, on the Netflix show. No, the TV I, show's I, great. I'm glad that we've both watched all of it. So yeah. we can kind of be on equal. I haven't read the books though. No, I haven't either. I I read I read like the first 4. Okay. So you read what was in the movie. Weirdly, yeah. I was like this is yeah. perfect. I don't know why everyone's complaining. You, you read it until <laughs> you read it when it started off as like a, like almost like a Wes Anderson vibe and then you, but you stopped before it got into Spy Kids territory. Right. It when it shifted into Spy Kids territory. <laughs> yeah. We have to follow the clues and get on the submarine. Yeah. My parents were spies. Yeah. Anyway. And they yeah, were so- they were they were kind of the more Wes Anderson spies where it was like mostly sad. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so we're going to be doing that for our Wes Anderson franchise potential. Wes Anderson related franchise potential. Yeah. And then we should announce what's on the other side of Wes Anderson uh, because everybody's talking about it. And we actually had another miniseries planned and we, we pushed it back because we were like, we should do this one. The Matrix. So uh, the Matrix, we're going to start the Matrix right off first week of January, right yes. on the other side of Wes Anderson. So we're going Wes Anderson right into the Matrix, which the Matrix will have a uh, a little a little speed bump halfway through because uh, Scream 2022 comes out right uh, between the Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions. So <laughs> so it, it's the first time this has happened on the show where, you know, the rules stipulate that when a new addition to a franchise we've covered comes out, we have to drop everything and cover the new installment. Right. Right. So, yeah. So, so we got. The, so next year, there's going to come a time where you're going to be on your phone. And instead of Matrix Revolutions, it's going to be Scream 5. Yeah. And just chill out. Yeah. Yeah. Just relax. <laughs> it's fine. No, we're going to talk about the- the, the train <laughs> and the homeless guy that wouldn't let Neo get on the train. Yeah, man. I remember hardly anything about the sequels. I'm I remember too much to get into that. But yeah, so we're going to be doing the Matrix and uh, I'm really pumped about that. Yeah, there's then, a ton to talk about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I haven't I haven't I'm like almost like tempted to like I've never read a lot of William Gibson. Or mm. like Grant Morrison, you know the people, the things that people are always saying. The Wachowskis, like borrowed really heavily from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've read a lot of Grant Morrison, but I have not read any <laughs> William Gibson. Does that hold water to you as someone that's read a lot of Grant Morrison? That they that they borrowed heavily from. Yeah, I don't know about borrowed heavily, but I could see that it's like an inspiration. Sure, certainly. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. He has a different writing style than they do. I like a lot, like I like by a large margin. So <laughs> sure, <laughs> but yeah, it'll be great. And you know, we're all so excited. I'm super excited about about Resurrections. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching that trailer pretty obsessively, and I'm just hyped about it. I mean, we'll, I mean, I don't know why I'm talking about it now, but yeah, like the surprise, the Matrix movies meant a lot to me growing up in the 2000s. Shocker. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, so that's that's on the other side of Wes Anderson. But first, we have to go through. Wes Anderson, and it all starts next week with Bottle Rocket. It's a good one. It is a good one. 
Yeah. They're all good ones, I think. Yeah. At least so far. So far. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. So uh, we hope you enjoyed the Wes Anderson series. Hope you liked the Spy Kids series. Thank you so much for uh, being here with us week after week here on Franchiseography. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, make sure you become a Patreon subscriber and listen to Franchise Potential. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.